All right. Welcome back. Open lines. Let's say to uh, hello to our old friend Cornelius. Cornelius, welcome. Hey there, Richard. I tell you, I'm hearing these Canadian geese fly over, so you may hear some geese in the background. <laughs> All right. Well, they can say hello to my ducks. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I was going to talk to you a minute about, about your son and those old ducks and everything. But, oh, uh, Gina, I want to say Merry Christmas to all the Coast audience and everything. And thank that guy thanking the veterans and stuff. And it's a shame the way our veterans are treated at the Veterans Hospital. That's so true. It's horrible. Same up here in Canada. They just are not treated well, I wanted to tell the way you, they deserve. The young lady, I call her Miss E, she sent me that book about uh, I'm Still Standing. I hope you get that guy back on. Because oh, Ray Hicks, the uh, Ray Hicks, the former yeah, uh, police officer who was framed. Yeah. Well, I was framed too, believe me. But yes, anyway, um, so many people, because if you go to YouTube, Cornelius Lawson White, you'll see my phone number and address have contacted me, Richard, because of uh, you and, of course, George. But our bell would have this thing. And he called me Wild Card White because I accidentally said my last name. He said, Mr. White, you can never use your last name on the show. Because <laughs> they were worried about people, you know, trying to contact. I've had only one bad contact. A guy pretending to be a coast producer. And I told Tommy about it. Guy in Oregon. Oh, yeah, we want to put you on the show, Mr. White. We want to have you a 30-minute segment. But I, I knew it was all. I just played with him. So mm. I, I just knew it was just a a hoax. But you Gotta know, Richard, careful. you can tell you, George, all the rest of the guest hosts and everything, y'all are real people, and you really care about the audience. That's why we love your family and stuff. That's why the Coastal audience asks about your family and stuff. I wish I had um, a computer in a way. But I'm staying away from that. I know the mark of the beast is coming and stuff, and we just need to get ready. I call Elon Musk Evil Musk because he wants to put that neural link in people, a chip in your head and your hand, and he's got Starlink to link up all that stuff. So we just need to get ready, Richard. It's coming. I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm the God, guns, and gold man, the Bible bullets and beans man. All right, Cornelius, you have a very Merry Christmas if I don't speak to you before then. Uh, let's say hi to Bob in Charlestown. Is it Charlestown, Indiana, Bob? Charlestown, yeah, one word with All a right. W. Welcome. How are you, Richard? I'm well, thank you. Good. Uh, before I get cut off, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you. And the uh, gentleman that called in praising you, he's more eloquent than I am, but I'll just say this. When you or George Knapp are the guest host, I know I'm going to be entertained. And for that, I thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. So I wanted to talk about the JFK assassination. Uh, sometimes there are guests, and it doesn't have to be this show, uh, and they don't really know a lot about it, but they 
make a book about one one thing and then you challenge them on stuff and they say, well, I don't believe that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you had a uh, a show maybe two or three years ago about a gentleman was come on and he was trying to say who was on the Deltex building and who was uh, the umbrella man and Yes. Uh, he, he named about 12 people. Can you tell me that gentleman's name? Oh, wow. We're going back. It's uh, How many years ago was it? Well, it, it was probably at least three. Yeah, that's a tough one because I have, I've talked to so many. Yes, I understand that. Uh, uh, let me just name off some. Uh, some I would, uh, if you told me his name, I wouldn't know it. I was just curious. Oh, okay. Uh, I yeah, I'm, I'm, three years ago, so. I've been doing a lot of uh, Audible books. I probably have read sixty and listened to sixty JFK books. And oh, is that right? Well, you're you're an expert, probably. Well, um, yeah, I know a lot, uh, but uh, you know, I can I can give you six books, and the conclusion would be six different things. <laughs> yeah, that's always the way, isn't it? Now, I wonder, did this individual, this JFK researcher, did he has he written a book? Uh huh. He did write a book. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. If yeah, he... I thought he did. Yeah, but I don't. It well, may have been longer uh, than three years ago, but that stuff kind of sticks with me. I was a senior in high school when it wasn't. G- well, it would have to be longer than three years ago. But I was going to say Jim Mars, uh, no, but he died. He's uh, one that I do Mar- know. It, it was just. Yeah. Uh, it was just curious because yeah, James D. Eugenio is another Jim D. Eugenio, and then I've got a a good friend up here in Canada. Uh, Nelson Thal, he hasn't written a book about JFK, but he's uh, he actually smuggled a copy of the Zapruder film uh, that was given to him by Penn Jones wow. at the airport in Dallas, and he brought it up to Canada and 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 got the um, this was before Geraldo Rivera played it on national television in the U.S. Right. He took the Zapruder film from Penn Jones, smuggled it up here, and then had it played on a U.S. Canada border station. I think it was a CBC affiliate wow. after the uh, after the test pattern had gone down he what he did was he had the um it might have been a windsor station he instructed them to play just um just to play it quickly after the test bars went you know um uh-huh. went down after the broadcast day was ended and he instructed all of these researchers in universities and colleges in the area to to record it so that he would, in, in that way, he was able to sort of disseminate the Zapruder film out into the community. Right. Um, anyway, I don't know if it was Nelson Thal that you heard, but... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. possible. Anyway, the the thing about Oswald is he was one of about 18 people on that test, uh, not test, that Angleton sent to Russia, you know, to see what they... KGB would do with them, and they were, you know, they were employees of the CIA, and Oswald was a contact agent for the FBI who was getting $400 a month, which was a lot of money back in 63. Yes. But, you know, they said, well, Oswald did it alone, and what you just said, you know, how can anybody watch the Pruder film and say, well, Oswald did it and he acted alone? You know, anybody. Yeah, it defies it defies credulity, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, and then Dan Rather, I don't know that he ever had any uh, thing going for him, but when he still says, you know, well, he turned around and looked 
You know, and it was a total lie. Why why he would, once you're caught, why don't you just admit it, you know, instead of doubling down on it. But anyway, uh, the, the last thing I'll go is all these books I've read, I did not read the one by Judith Very Baker about her, you know, the summer of... Uh, right, the girlfriend of Oswald, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah. I've had heard two uh, researchers on different shows that say, "Well, this I don't I don't believe that," you know. And but they never say why they don't believe it or why the you know she's full of excrement because that basically I mean Oswald was the one that, that told who the killers were and said that he had to be there that day or they would kill his wife and his two little girls. That's a that's an incentive to be, you know, at the school book depository. But right. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I, I don't know why. And I've heard a number of researchers also say that they don't believe uh, Judith Baker is um, authentic or credible. And, and I don't know why either. Uh, I haven't really gotten that uh, deep into that, she, uh, that narrative does, with them. Uh, a, a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of things in what Bradenton, Florida, or wherever she was from, that you know she had so many articles written in the local paper, and this was before anybody knew who Oswald was or knew that knew that Kennedy was going to be elected. You know, that just uh, I don't know when she says that Oswald named the people that were, you know, Johnson was wanting him dead so he could be president because when the, the poop hit the fan with Bobby Baker and uh, the other guy that was a crook, then he was going to be, you know, get, gotten rid of and, and and no telling, you know, where Johnson would have ended up. And I think the last call that he made to her said the traitor in us trying to stop the assassination is David Atley Phillips. Uh, you know, and there was a book uh, by uh, Sam Giancana that said a guy from the CIA. He didn't say it was Phillips. Was in that the hotel in downtown Dallas with new walkie-talkies, and he was coordinating it with everybody along the way. You know, and they said that they would have killed him at the trademark in his speech if they hadn't have killed him. Right. There. But anyway. They don't. Uh, they they don't really go into that a lot. A lot of researchers, and I don't understand. You know, I just to me they they lose their credibility. But I just I think I said that three times now. But that's all right, Bob. Well, you sound like a real student of the JFK uh, assassination. Sixty books. I don't know. There are too many. Um, people that can make that claim. So, Bob, I appreciate the call. Some great information there. Thank you. Uh, let's say hi to Brian in Kent, Washington. Brian, welcome to Coast. Hi, thanks, Richard. Um, I was wondering, as a guest host, how much uh, say do you have on the guests that you have on your program that you can have on? Oh, I, I have a, quite a bit of freedom, actually. Um, I, I, I would say typically I... Um, I, t I work with my producer and I, I let him know, the, you know, the people that I'd like to have on. And sometimes, uh, he'll suggest some people, 
So we kind of go back and forth, but I, I have a great deal of freedom. Okay. Uh, I got a name for you. Uh, how you might consider uh, Dr. Matthew Johnson. He's the leading expert. I'm not kidding on, on uh, Sasquatch in, in, in the country. You know, the people that uh, George has had on, he claims they're experts. They, they don't hold a candle to this guy. He's a clinical psychologist. What makes him what, what what makes him the top expert? Do you think? Well, because he had an encounter in 2000. The guy is six nine and weighed two eighty, and originally he thought it was nine feet tall. It was more like eleven feet. And then, after a decade or more of hunting for it and not finding it, he went to the habituation method, which was pioneered by Jane Goodall with the chimpanzees in Africa. Yes, and that's when he started getting getting uh, the um, them coming around and whatnot. And believe it or not, you've heard of, uh, you know, MindSpeak? Yes. They communicate with him through MindSpeak. Uh, All right, I'll check him out. Yeah, he's 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 got a website, uh, com X-A-N-U-E. He was once on the program with Mike Siegel years ago, but uh, he knows this stuff uh, really, really well, and uh, he'd be somebody to consider. Also on Mark Farner, when he was on 21 years ago, he, he mentioned a person who was uh, investigating UFOs. It was a woman in the U.S. Army who decided to drop out of the Army and be a stay-at-home mom, and the Army wanted her back because she knew too much. Hmm. All right. Well, I don't know if that's who he was referring to when he said uh, a friend who had uh, been involved in UFO crash retrieval. So he didn't want to divulge, and I understand why. Thank you for the call, Bob. Uh, no, that was Brian. My apologies. Brian in Kent, Washington. Uh, let's say hi next to uh, Leonard is in Regina, Saskatchewan. First time caller. Leonard, welcome to Coast. Well, hi, Richard. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hey. Uh, yeah, I was just my, my question is similar to the uh, to the um, caller before me. Uh, you, met, you casually mentioned about a year, year and a half ago, how much you would love to interview Kim Carnes, who is one of your favorite singers. So I was just yeah, I, I, I end the sh- every time I host a uh, guest host, I end the show with uh, "Crazy in the Night" by Tim. <laughs> so I was just kind of curious as to how Coast to Coast schedules their guests and why you haven't bothered to try and get in touch with her or her agent and try to get her on the show. Uh, that's a good question. That's yeah, that's entirely on me. I just I haven't. Um, I was kind of hoping one night maybe she would just hear the song and call in. <laughs> you know, on the on the hotline or something, but yeah, that's that's a good idea. Okay, no, I don't know why. No, I, just, I don't know why it's never occurred to me to actually, you know, try to make an effort. <laughs> I just thought no, it might I'm be kind of spontaneous, like, and it would happen. It, I've been trying for like a bit, thinking for about the past year to call in, so I finally decided to. But I was just curious. So. That's right. a great idea. Well, thank you. I've just been lazy, I guess. Uh, I, yeah, the, I, I'm just kind of hoping it would happen organically, spontaneously. She would be uh, listening to the radio late at night, and she would hear crazy in the night. And then she would listen another time, and she would figure out, wow, this guy really likes my music. Maybe I should call in. All right, Charlie is in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. Charlie, welcome to Coast. Well, hello, uh I have a memory of a video somewhere it's available. Mike Douglas show had Jimi Hendrix on and uh, Mike asked him, what does it feel like to be the world's greatest guitar player? 
And Jimmy's answer was, I don't know. Go ask Rory Gallagher. Wow, Rory Gallagher. Have you heard of Rory Gallagher? Um, No. I mean, I've heard that. It does sound familiar. He's a king of the guitar there, yeah. Who did he play with? Hey, I got another question. Okay. Go ahead. I'm not sure what happened there to Charlie. All right, let's say hi to uh, Ron is in Benton, Arkansas. Oh, hang on, Ron. Sorry for that. Uh, we gotta we gotta uh, head into a break here. We'll um, we'll get back to uh, Ron. And if you got a line, hold on to it. Here's uh, the Sky Diggers taking us into the break with "I will give you everything" from right here in Toronto. I'll give you everything. Tis the season of giving, of course. Back with more calls on Coast to Coast AM. Let's get to Howard in Vancouver, Washington. Howard, welcome to Coast. Hello, Richard. Good to talk to you again. Likewise. Uh, you were asking about uh, creepy experiences that we might have had at one time or another. Yes, always. Uh, always looking for those. I had back in uh, 1969. And uh, at that time, I was in the Army. And uh, I was in uh, West Germany. And I was in the 24th Division. And they were having uh, NATO winter exercises. And at that time, they moved our whole battalion down to... Uh, a uh, place uh, called Grafenbeer. And this uh, this was an old German army base. It was, in fact, it was kind of infamous in the area because it was the, uh, at one time, it was the headquarters for Rommel's Africa Corps. Oh, interesting. And wow. anyway, I mean, it was, it was old. It was probably built around the First World War. And, uh, you know, because the, the barracks that they put us in, I remember, were uh, kind of like concrete bunkers. And uh, they were kind of sunk down in the ground, and you went in, and you went down a little stairway about six feet down, and right at the base of the stairway there was a, a rifle rack, and uh, you could see in the floor, uh, in the concrete floor, there were indentations under each slot where uh, they'd been slamming those old Mausers in for years and years, you know. Right. Uh, and it, I mean, it it just it was resonant with uh, with some some kind of uh, uh, presence there. I don't know what it was. Negative night, energy, uh, yeah, no doubt. One night I was uh, I was on guard duty, put me on guard duty, and I, it was about three o'clock in the morning, and this is in the middle of February, and it was about temperature was about zero out there, and I was I was just focused on trying to stay warm, walking around the perimeter, and I started hearing dogs barking, and this you know, and I I couldn't figure out what. And where that was coming from, I climbed up on the running board of a truck that was parked there, and uh, the way this was, you know, you had it was a huge. This is a massive uh, uh, motor pool there. It was, uh, you know, acres and acres of, of concrete out there with vehicles parked on it, and the it was right. It put right in the middle of the black forest. You know, the forest was cut back about maybe 50 feet from the towns uh, of. Constantino wire fence that surrounded the whole the whole facility. Right. And I was looking for where this noise was coming from, and I saw a whole pack of uh, white wolves. They were wolves they in were running parallel with the fence line, and uh, just you know, uh, you could you know the 
the, the forest itself, you know, formed kind of like a, a black wall behind them. So they stood right out. I could see them clearly. And they were running along and barking. And I distinctly started hearing what I swear were human voices. It, I don't know what they were saying. Uh, maybe it was in German, but uh, that's... I listened, and I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. They were talking to each other. I, I don't wow. know. Wow. Wait a minute now. Just, are you saying that the wolves were talking? It sure the, the, It sounded like they were, they were barking, and at the same time I could hear language amongst them. And I didn't wow. understand... Uh, what it was, you know, I didn't speak German, but uh, that, that's certainly what it sounded like. Uh, I, uh, I don't know, I've never told too many people about this, but uh, that's, that's what happened, that's what I heard. I don't know what else to say about it. Do you think they were actual wolves, or were there some sort well, of they were, a, they I don't were know, wolves. a spectrum? I mean, it they sure were, looked yeah. like it to me. They looked like a, yeah. like a you know, what a, what a husky looks like. Um, oh yes, it's just that my understanding is you know wolves in Germany is very rare. Well, that's I, they were there. <laughs> remarkable, remarkable. They were not. They were they were running right along, right between the uh, the uh, forest wall and the uh, the fence. And, and you couldn't make out exactly. You couldn't they, make out what they were saying, though. Pardon? You couldn't make out what they were saying. No, no, it. it it's almost like they were speaking in German, and I didn't under, you know I wasn't hadn't been there long enough to really understand that language, but it it I heard it, it distinctly sounded like they were they were uh, uh, communicating each with each other like that. <laughs> That's pretty remarkable. Great I, story. I don't know. That was an experience that I had. It it creeped me out. I guess so. <laughs> I, I don't know what. Uh, uh, particularly in the place that I was at, you know, uh, that, <laughs> but that's maybe this, maybe the spirit of, um, some, I don't know, soldiers that had passed over and they took on the form of these wolves, who knows, but it's, uh, that's a, that's a creepy story, Howard. Thank you for that. Uh, let's see. We're going to say hi to Ron in Benton, Arkansas. Ron, good morning. Welcome to coast. Richard, it's a pleasure. I tell you, that last call is why I listen to Coast to Coast. That is fascinating stuff. I'll say. Um, yeah, I started having paranormal experiences when I was a kid that lasted up into my 40s. In the words of Jimmy Durante, I got a million of them. <laughs> one of the last, yeah, I'll, I'll be quick with this one. One of the last encounters I had, I was laying in my bed and I began to be pulled out of my body against my will i was kind of in that twilight sleep state and a very powerful force was pulling me to the ceiling i could see the light fixture getting closer i began to panic i started to turn away from the force and try to scramble like a cat away from it when i looked down at my bedroom there was an entity standing in the doorway to my bedroom an entity. What kind of entity? What did it look like? It manifested as like a Caucasian male. It looked like almost like a 50s greaser from like a James Dean movie. He okay. had on like, black pants, 
a white wife beater tank top. He looked to be about 6'1 with reddish blonde hair. He was very wiry and muscular. He had his right hand cocked like he wanted to throw a punch. I hmm. reached the ceiling and pushed on it. I physically pushed on the ceiling, slammed back down into my body, and sprang up off my bed into a seated position, gripping the covers. And I was completely alone. Fast forward a couple of weeks. I'm sitting in my living area. I'm watching TV late at night. I'm sitting upright. I begin to doze. That same force began to pull me out of my body. This time I was a little more prepared. As it began to pull me out of the body, I began to turn towards the dining area. I had an open floor plan, and I began to turn towards the dining table. That same entity was standing in the middle of the room. Is he ready to throw another punch? He was ready to throw another punch. Now, I'm a fourth-generation Irishman, and uh, we're kind of a scrappy people. I've heard. (laughs) Yes. Notre Dame has a thing. So I charge this thing. It reels back like it wasn't expecting it. I start throwing punches at this thing like Chuck Liddell. (laughs) Was it solid? I'm hitting it in the face. Ah. It bends. It doubles over at the waist. I grab it by the top of the head, by the hair. I knee it repeatedly in the face, and... I, I must have I must have needed it five, six times. It disappeared. I came back into my body, standing in the dining area, both my fists clenched, breathing heavy, adrenaline coursing through my veins, and I was in a light sweat. Holy smokes. It sounds like you know you encountered something on an astral plane, maybe. Um, that is the story. only thing that I can think. It's like yeah. the prior caller. There are a lot of strange things out there. And um, I have been a lightning rod for this stuff my whole life. I've, what, why I do you mean, suppose that is? Why? Um, you know, I just think there are certain, like the Irish say, there's places where the world is thin. I think there are some people that, and Vicki Joy Anderson, who you've interviewed, has done a lot of research on this. I think there are people places, objects that are lightning rods for this type of activity. I think there's, I think it has to do with a psychic intuition that people are born with. Um, I don't want to get too metaphysical, but I really do feel like I was kissed by God in the womb. I came out of the womb basically with a belief in Jesus Christ as my savior. And I've always had a metaphysical slant to everything. I, I kind of don't live in the pragmatic world. I live more in the spiritual world. It's almost more real to me than actual physical material. And one thing I can say to people is I explored this stuff for years, um, played with Ouija boards, studied Santeria. I, I, I went out on, on a far limb trying to figure out what these things are, I do believe to a certain extent they are the ghosts of the dead. A lot of people don't believe that. But I do believe that there is a high rate of demonic activity 
that people get attached to and attached to them. When you stop paying attention to it, it does get weaker. It's kind of like a nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Freddy Krueger is more powerful when you're paying attention. If you turn your back and stop entertaining these things, they do get weaker. The last encounter I had, an entity spoke to me. Now, the entity claimed to be Satan. I don't buy it, but it spoke to me. At that point in time, I said to myself, this is enough. I would say, and, yeah, I think that entity has delusions of grandeur. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't believe it. They all lie. Every, every, every entity lies. Uh, but if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. That's big D devil and little D devil. I really, I, I, I would imagine Satan doesn't even know my name. I'm chump change. He's messing with Putin and Ukraine and all that stuff. He, <laughs> he's not interested in me. But uh, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of little lesser imps and demons that mess with guys like me. All right. Well, you be uh, you be careful, Ron, and uh, I hope you don't encounter that. Um, um, what did you call him? A greaser from the 1950s again? Thank you for the call. Let's say hi. I think I can work in uh, one or two more. Brendan is in Massachusetts. Brendan, welcome to Coast. Yeah, hi, Richard. Uh, a couple of quick questions about Robbie Robinson, but um, I do have to um, call out Cornelius for um, referring to his geese as Canadian geese. I've been corrected several times saying that it's Canada geese, and I don't know what that's all about, but maybe you have some insight on that. That's a good um, – I don't. That's a good question. Is it Canada geese or Canadian geese? Uh, yeah, let me look Canadian that up. Canadian rolls off the tongue. Uh, it does. Easier, it does. I think Canada but geese. It's, it's a distinction without a difference. You know? Yeah, it's called. A, it's a Canada goose. So Canada right. geese. Right. There I don't go. know what the impetus about that is, but um, with respect to Robbie, I, I swear I saw an interview with him before this before YouTube, and it may have been with Martin um, that he said he had his Telecaster dipped in bronze before the last waltz concert. And he said that, and he explained it as to that's why he was uh, visibly sweating profusely during that concert. And I cannot find that on you. I Googled it everywhere, and I cannot find that, you know, interview anywhere. I do know that his guitar was dipped in bronze, but um, I don't know if you have any comments on that. And the other thing with respect to Robbie is um, Don Imus really had this vitriolic uh I hate to say hatred, but he he did not like Robbie Robertson for whatever reason. I, I think it was some financial issues with Levon, and uh, I don't know if you have any insight or comments on that. Also, I don't. I don't know that there was animosity in between. Did you say Don Kirshner uh, from what was no, that show? Don Imus. Uh, oh, Don Imus. No, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, the the the, uh, the talk jock. Um, no, no idea what uh, what that might have been about um yeah but uh yeah they dipped uh, I, I do know that they dipped um his uh guitar in um in bronze the body in bronze just like they do with uh with baby shoes you know um 
anyway, I, I know he he talked about how when they did that, they uh, you know they took it apart, dipped the part the uh, you know they took the strings off, dipped the body in bronze, and then put it back together again, and um, it had a completely different sound to it, just like you would think, right? It had a, a more metallic sound, and um, he said he liked the sound of it that he got out of it, but it was it was heavier, obviously. All right. Uh, do we have time for one more? Maybe if we hurry, let's say hi to Scott in Palm Springs. You're going to be our last call, Scott. Make it a good one. Yes. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Richard. Yeah, I was uh, fascinated by um, the talk about, uh, I think it was your mother-in-law who saw the ferry. Yes. Just a, f- a few days or maybe a week before she passed. Yeah. I was, when I was talking to your screener. I was mentioning that... Um, I uh, I was in the military for 10 years, and then I worked for the government for 31 years. And before I retired from the government, I went back to nursing school, and I became a certified nurse assistant for the last 11 years. And I worked with hospice care, and I saw quite a few people pass when I was when I was in the hospice care. And interesting that a number, almost all people. It's and in nursing, it's what we call pulling back the veil, and it's like when you're transitioning from this existence to the next existence, and they see things that we do not see, and so this is not an unusual phenomenon. So when you mentioned that, I was just rather fascinated by that, and I just had to kind of add my comments to that. I appreciate that, Scott. Yeah, I, I think it's very common, uh, uh, or far more common than we can imagine. Uh, and I like to think that, that she did actually see a fairy. Um, and it was a harbinger. Thank you for the call, Scott. Thank all, thank you all for your uh, wonderful calls. All right. For George Norrie, George Knapp, Lisa Lyons, Stephanie Smith, Tom Danheiser, Dan Galanti, Gina Salvati, Chris Burroughs, Sean Latisor, Tim Banal, and in Brantford, Ontario, Scott Park. I'm Richard Serrett. Thank you for your ears and your voices, your beautiful voices. Until tonight. So long for now.